I'm no good at it. Um, and, and there's a thing for gardeners, is that they, good gardeners, have a long view. They don't just look at what they plant now, they look at what it's going to be. A good gardener is aware that when you plant that totara in your backyard, that looks so nice now, it's going to be a lot bigger in 50 years' time. A good gardener looks at those pine trees we've got over there and says, yep, you know, it is going to affect your car park if you keep them there. Yep. A good, so good gardeners have a long view, and actually so do Christians. This is one of the things I love about Easter and Christmas, is they let us revisit the whole Christian story. Because good Christians, followers of Jesus, have a long view. Not just the snapshot of their life or how it feels right now. It's kind of what we pray for kids at Easter camp. It's great you're having experiences with God. We want it worked in your whole life. We want you to have a long view. So in the down times and the tough times, it will hold you. God will hold you, as the song we sang about. So I wanted to tell a short story about the garden. Because... What Christians believe started so long ago in the garden. And yes, for the people who are really old, that's a Larry Norman reference. No, no. Gosh, I'm getting really old. Okay, in in the Christian story of creation, God chooses to generously make a universe. Out of the goodness of an overflow of creativity and love and a world and people and puts them, and in particular Adam and Eve, in a garden. Now, the, and the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he'd formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for fruit. So our Christian story kind of starts in a garden. Hence the um, not superb props at the background, but nonetheless, garden feel. And in fact, Adam ends up being a gardener. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it, which is an incredibly important verse for us. Why do you think that is? It tells you this is the beginning of work for humans, and it's good. So you know how when you come home from work and you've had a really good day, and it's like, yes, can I tell somebody about today? That's how work's supposed to be. It's a good thing. Right? It's, we, I know sometimes work feels like a curse and you think, oh, please, can I just finish this? It's supposed to be good. Of course, we know the story carries on. And in fact, that, we'll get back to the work thing. In the garden, this was a place of connection between humans and God. They used to go for walks together. Do you ever remember if you have got married or if you have had a, girl or boyfriend, that shall we go for a walk together is a really nice thing to do. It just is. You know, you're walking, it's, you're walking together, kind of experiencing life. Talk, that's how it was with humans and God. And so there's this little bit. Now, this is after they've screwed up, but there's just this picture of obviously what was happened before. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. Well, that's kind of cool, isn't it? You can imagine them walking together, talking. I don't know what that looks like with God. But nonetheless, there's this thing. But we're also told in this early story in the garden that despite their freedom to eat of any tree in the garden by one, the humans blew it. And the story went desperately wrong. And now, in fact, in this verse, when God is walking in the garden, instead of, hey, yeah, can we join in? Adam and Eve are scared because shame has entered. 
And God, with a wink in his voice, says, where are you? Knowing, but wanting them to know, look, something's changed. And after this, we're told that Adam and Eve are cast out of this idyllic garden, barred from re-entry like a drunken man from a nightclub. You can't go back in. It's gone. And there's a curse. Worse still, the cooperation that was easy in the garden before this is now not easy. And so you get this verse that talks about cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food for it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. Now, why that's significant is prior to this, being a gardener was a cooperative exercise, a great thing. Now, I'm not saying that gardening isn't, but I am saying that in what we do now, there is toil and there is pain. It happens. It's part of the curse. It is what it is. We now say there's this um, line before um, when they are cast out. Uh, this is, the line we use is, we talk about, have you heard East of Eden? It's a famous old film. East of Eden describes where we live, not in the promised land. We live east of Eden in a place where work can be gut-wrenching, toil, hard, and there are thorns and thistles. And that was all way back, right at the very beginning of the Christian story. Now, the early Jews lived in a hot, dry land. They were a little bit like, um, if you imagined our whole life was the middle of the nastiest nor'wester wind that you can see. Yep, you know how the, the, the Port Hills kind of get baked brown? That's, they lose all the green, and as you walk around the, the gardens, you can see um, which neighbours water their garden lawns and which ones don't. Well, just imagine it's all where they don't garden. It's all like the top of the Port Hills. It's a hot, dry, arid land. And so when the Jews write about gardens, their wish is, they say, we would like you to be like a well-watered garden. Yep, they will come and shout for joy in the heights of Zion, rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden. They will sorrow no more. Here's another. The Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden. That's how the biblical story goes. I actually think that there's a little bit, a hint of this in Easter camp. We'll get there. There's, because I think that we get these hints of what it would be like to live in the Garden of Eden, where things are right. We have the, I'd like to think church was this. I'd like to think that's a place of loving relationships and care. And, and, you know, sometimes it is. That's the beginning, the end of the story. Now, this is a little bit of a stretch. In the end of the story in Revelation, the picture we get, remember good gardeners take a long view, is that the garden has actually come into the city of God. The angel shows me the river of life as clear as crystal throwing, throw, I can't say that, can I? Flowing from the throne. Here, say that with me for a moment. Flowing from the throne. You're all much better than me. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street and on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This picture where the garden is now 
part of the city of the promised land. There's a garden at the start and a garden at the end. So are there any other gardens if we're looking at the big picture? Well, the one that will come to mind is the Garden of Gethsemane. Yep. The place where Jesus is despairing, where he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The place where he gets betrayed by uh, Judas. But that's not the only garden. There's one other that I think is a surprise for us. See, now, in Invercargill, the place that you teach people to drive, first place you take someone when you're teaching them to drive is the cemetery. Because it'll scare the living daylights out of them. (laughs) No, because it has this network of roads and you can drive at 20 k's an hour on the road in first gear and everything is cool. While you think it's cool, the person next to you driving is probably freaking out. Yep. Uh, But the thing about cemeteries, do you notice we have the gardens? And in fact, that's why I've got the the props here. Apart from Araha was using the tomb on... uh, the tomb yesterday, so it's kind of like an um, Airbnb tomb. It's been used, rented for multiple purposes. Um, is that there are also gardens? So here's yes, here's Mary outside the tomb crying, and and this is a picture of the kind of thing you'd find in a tomb. We most Christian stories show this as a really dark, horrible place, but our cemeteries tend to have flowers, tend to have somebody's looking after them. So there's Mary after Jesus has died. She stands outside the tomb crying, and as she weeps, she bends over to look into the tomb and sees two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they ask her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she says, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Here it is, the other garden, the tomb. Thinking he was the gardener. Now just for a moment, Jesus has died, now he is resurrected in glory. This is Jesus victorious. How do you expect to see him? With a halo? How about in white, like the angels. Do you expect to see him wearing overalls? On a ride on lawnmower? With dirty hands? How could you think he's the gardener? All our images of God tend to be of God victorious, up there, glorious, glowing, all that kind of stuff. This is the resurrected Jesus. And Mary says, hang on, are you the gardener? And maybe, maybe, maybe Mary's right. Maybe he is the gardener. See, Adam and Eve were the first gardeners. They were tasked with the care of the Garden of Eden and blew it, and death entered stage right. And we ended up living east of Eden. And Jesus was tasked with the care and rescue of the planet Earth and its peoples. And death grabbed him and wrestled him to the ground, but could not hold him. And so when Paul talks about Jesus, he links Jesus and Adam. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, 
The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. The gardener who came to set the garden right. And that first fruits, well, I was driving to, if you don't know what that means, I was driving to Wanaka, and on the way to Wanaka, um, I started to see some trees where most of the tree was green, but one or two branches had gone that kind of autumn colour. You seen that? And what does that tell you? Yeah, summer's over. Yeah, yeah, winter's coming. It's a first fruits. It's a sign of what is yet to come. Heads up, it's not going to stay this way. Those branches remind us autumn is coming and Jesus reminds us that resurrection life is coming. And maybe that's it. Maybe gardens are places of life and death. And Jesus, the gardener, his story is of death and then life. And that's why when Paul writes, he says, well, I'll get there, about the resurrection. He says, I just want to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection. We love that bit. I want that too. I want to know what it is to have a resurrected life. That would be glorious. And then Paul carries on and says, and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the the death. And probably most of us are not quite so keen on the participation with Christ's sufferings things. Like, is there a shortcut or a way out? We don't expect resurrection life to be found in the dirty hands of a gardener. Mary expected an angel in white and she got it. But Jesus, like a gardener, that's where you see resurrection life, I think. And I actually quite like what Paul does here. He links it with suffering, participation with suffering. And I like it because it gives meaning to how the cosmic gardener rolls. There's resurrection life, and you might miss it if you're not looking because it comes where you don't expect. And there is still suffering and there is still pain. On my bookshelf, I've got a book called Practice Resurrection, which is brilliant. And I've read it more than once because I really want to know how you practice resurrection. And I want to be able to stand up here and tell you point one, this is what you do, point two, this is what... And I can't do it. What I can tell you is kind of what you see in Paul's writing. Kind of what you see when you know the whole story. You know that it starts with a garden and it ends with a garden where it's right. And the gardener who gets us there, Jesus, will not let you go as the song we sang. Will not let you go. And I don't really know how to do this except that I think that if you know that God's got this, It equips us to live robustly. We can take risks, and they might not work out, you know, and it's okay because God's got this. Because the resurrection life does not let go. We can live bravely, live generously, and make mistakes. Luther used to say, sin boldly. And, you know, actually, I I struggle to say that, but actually it's kind of true. Grab hold of life and live it boldly because God's got this and that's freeing. If we know that there's resurrection life hiding in the corners that will win, then we can give and it's okay if we don't get payback. 
It's okay because God's got this and will use it. And resurrection proves it. And death may wrestle you to the ground, but it has no dominion. It is not a full stop, but a semicolon. A pause. And yes, it hurts. And yes, maybe, maybe, maybe what if our suffering was a participation in Christ's suffering? Would that give it more meaning? So, here's my suggestions. Um, there will be toil, hard work, and some of it will suck because we live east of Eden. But work is not always bad. Actually, some of us wouldn't know what to do without it. Yep, it's supposed to be good. When you're suffering, yes, I think you might get to share in the sufferings of Jesus. But remember, a good gardener takes the long view. It is not the end. We get to share in his resurrection So for all of us, let's live generously, knowing it's not just about me. It's not all up to me. And let's let's look for the signs of life in the gritty parts of our life. Not only up on the stage, lit up, but the other places. Where is God at work? Who might we mistake for the gardener? who turns out to be the real gardener with dirty hands and muddy sorry dirty clothes and muddy hands from saving a universe Easter Sunday I tend to say this most of you will know it he is risen he is risen indeed that's the response let's do it one more time he is risen he is risen indeed so my prayer for all of us is that we may catch glimpses of the risen Christ in our daily lives and we may be surprised at the gardener's work and those highs from Easter camp and those encounters with God in the bright lights and the loud noises will be matched by the whispers and nudges of working class ordinary life because God loves all all of this world. And yes, death has no dominion. He is risen indeed. Amen. Tell you what, we're going to stop there. Leave you hanging. Invitation, have a chat to someone you know and don't know. But to someone you know, ask them what's the closest thing to resurrection life they've seen. Yep, and we've got a wee blessing to read. And if there's something going in your life, if you know the thing that hit you was this participating in the sufferings, then tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, could we just pray? Yep, and make some time for that. Can we have a, a blessing kind of thing? I keep hoping that we'll get this stuff into our heads so that it seeps its way into our hearts. Do you join me in saying this? May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Last bit, if, you, if like me, you were praying for a kid at Easter camp, ask them how it went. Tell them you were praying for them. Cool. Cheers.